Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Thanks, Dion. Thanks so much. Evening, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Uh, We like to, from time to time, begin uh, our time looking at the scriptures with... A question, something to get us thinking about what we're going to be seeing in the Word. And I've got a question for you this evening. Something to just chat through the, with the people around you. If you want to get up, get some more refreshments, um, well, that's absolutely fine. Just have a little bit of a stretch, or you can just chat and just say hi. Here's the question. I think I've got a slide with it. Is our society, is our world better at affirmation or condemnation? Okay, is our, and this is one of those ones where, you know, it's supposed to be a conversation. So if you just give the one word, that's not really, you have to substantiate your answer for five marks, give five different examples, and that kind of thing. Yeah? Okay, so uh, just a couple of minutes to get you thinking, and then we're going to dive into this passage. Off you go. Christ Jesus. I wonder whether, when you thought about this idea of condemnation, well, we've got a world that's good at affirmation or condemnation. I wonder where your conversation went. Um, perhaps some of you went towards thinking about the way that, uh, particularly in our modern Western context, we're big into inclusion. And through that, we are able really to affirm difference and the variety of the kind of people that we have around us much more positively. So you might have come down on the affirmation side. Um, then again, you might have thought of cancel culture. Did anyone think of cancel culture? Did anyone go there with their minds? Some people, okay. You know cancel culture, which is this thing where, um, you you know, you you, you publicly reject or you boycott uh, or you withdraw support for a person um, because of their unacceptable views or or associations. And and sometimes a person's uh, reputation or their entire career is is kind of dismantled in, in a matter of days or even hours as a result of being cancelled, uh, as a product of our, our, the way that we communicate on social media. Perhaps you thought of that and thought, actually, we're a culture of condemnation more than of affirmation. We do uh, live in a strangely contradicting time. time of great acceptance, greater acceptance perhaps than ever, but also a time of, uh, of condemnation, and where we dispense condemnation with ease, um, and absoluteness that a previous generation would, would not recognize. Just one brief example, to I think this sets the stage to illustrate. Um, we've been praying this evening, haven't we, for uh, what's going on in the Middle East, and I'm sure it's on all of our, our hearts. Huge numbers of people have lost their lives. However you understand what's going on, it's just an immense tragedy. I wonder whether, as you've been watching this sort of un- unravel what's going on in, in Israel and in Palestine, however, you're troubled like me, not just by the, 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 the two opposing sides, the tragedy there, but then this other layer of stuff that's going on, 
where alongside the condemnation of Hamas or the condemnation of Israel, then there is the condemnation of those who don't do enough to condemn Israel or the condemnation of those who don't do enough to condemn Hamas or whatever. Uh, I came across last week this extraordinary thing. You could never, uh, 15 years ago, this would just not make any sense to anyone. There's an American comedian who has produced a video. It's a sketch in which he interviews people uh, to ask them on which side the comedian should fall down on, whether he should support Palestine or Hamas. And he explains to the people he interviews that he's a social media influencer and he wants to get this one right. So he wants to maximize the number of you know, supporters that he gets. He doesn't really want to get this one wrong. He's called a couple in the past quite accurately and sort of you know, went on the, on the right side of history, as it were. He's really finding this one hard. Um, and um, he gets increasingly frustrated as the, as the sketch goes on not knowing which way to go. And it, it would actually be really funny if it weren't just such a tragic reflection of the moment that we're in. The sense that condemnation is hanging around the corner and no one really knows how to navigate it. Of course, what that also means is that we live in a moment where a space, a genuine space of no condemnation, somewhere where there is no condemnation, that sounds like the most amazing paradise. Imagine if there could be a place where we could find that kind of full-orbed, total, uncompromising acceptance. That would be wonderful. Well, that's where we're going this evening, in Romans 8. Uh, Let me read it again. It begins with this wonderful verse. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So, uh, we've been speaking about condemnation in terms of how we might see it in our culture. Uh, We need to understand condemnation here in the context of Romans. I don't know if Romans has been going on for seven chapters already, and it's got really into uh, this kind of legal language. So, if you know the book so far, you'll know that Paul, the apostle who wrote this letter, is talking in terms of the image of a trial. Uh, someone being accused of doing something wrong, of being looked at, of being, being judged, examined, assessed. And no condemnation is like the equivalent, is a sort of negative of being justified, which is another idea that Paul has been uh, mentioning. Crucial themes in the whole book. They, they talk about being in the right with God. To be condemned is not to be in the right with God. To be justified is to be in the right with God. So no condemnation means not in the wrong with God. i in the right with God. Now, he says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So whatever it is, we're going to be exploring this a little bit more. Whatever no condemnation is, it's something that you have only in Christ Jesus. You have it by being connected with him. You can't have no condemnation without having Jesus. If you have Jesus, however, you definitely have no condemnation, whatever else. Now, what does he mean by this, and why do we need to know it? Well, first of all, a little aside. I wonder whether this language of being in the right with God is a little bit alien to some of us. Perhaps it's not something we really think about that much. Think back to uh, a time where perhaps in one of your really close relationships, you experienced a, a rift, a breakdown, a time when that relationship was strained. And then remember, hopefully, you can remember a moment like this, when that relationship was healed again. 
Well, you were made for a relationship with the creator of the world, with God. A healed, whole relationship, unencumbered by guilt and shame. And yet, your sin, my sin, breaks that relationship down. And so we find ourselves in peril of condemnation. And that's what Paul is so exercised about here. Now, how can we sort this out? How can we tackle this problem that we might be condemned by God for the things that we do wrong? Well, Paul sets up two different ways that we might approach that. And to try and um, put some flesh on the bone, uh, make it a bit easier to understand, I'm going to introduce you to two people. Uh, first, we have uh, Francis or Francesca Flesh. Okay, and then uh, secondly, we have Simone or Simon Spirit. Okay, and if nothing else, you're going to remember that because that was a pretty weird way of introducing this. That's how teaching works. There we go. Okay, so these are two different people who have different approaches to getting right with God. Okay, here we go. What, what are these different approaches? Come back to Romans 8. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. And now we're about to get these two approaches. He says, for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful humanity to be a sin offering. Let me talk to you, first of all, about Francis or Francesca Flesh. What the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. Francis' flesh wants to get right with God by obeying God's law. And he's good at remembering it. One, have no other gods before me. Two, don't bow down to man-made things. Three, don't misuse God's name. Four, keep the Sabbath, make it a habit. Five, honor your parents, Clarence. Six, do not kill. It's God's will, Jill. Seven, do not commit adultery. Eight, do not lie. Nine, do not steal. Ten, do not covet. That's a song, by the way. If you have small children, you want to teach them Ten Commandments. It's a fantastic song. It's by Slugs and Bugs. I recommend it entirely. Francis Flesh believes by keeping those Ten Commandments, he will be right with God. But Paul wants to say to him, what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, that's Francis's problem. He can't get right with God. He tries to obey the law, but he doesn't manage it. And the problem is his flesh. That is his sinful nature, the part of us that's set against God. Um, most of you will not have grown up with this. I grew up with the um, Archimedes II computer. That was my first encounter with um, computer science. And what you did with the Archimedes II is you sat down during IT lessons and you wrote things like print, inverted commas, John is the greatest, inverted commas, and, you know, uh, semicolon, press return. And it did. The Archimedes II always did what you told it to, within limits. We're not like that. The Lord says, honor me, but we don't. We are like England's play against the South African line. We are powerless to get forward. We keep cycling the ball, but we're never making any, uh, any, any way forward. No headway. And so Francis Flesh, that person who believes they're going to get right with God by just obeying the Lord, doing things right, never gets there and faces only condemnation. 
So that's Francis Place. That's one way of trying to get right with God. But Paul says, that doesn't work. That doesn't work because of our weakness, our sinful nature. Instead, you need to be Simone or Simon Spirit. Now, what's the deal there? Have a look at halfway through uh, verse 3. God did this thing, making us right, by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful humanity to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in our sinful nature in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. So instead of us doing this, trying to get right with God, God does it for us. That's Simon Spirit's story. God condemns sin in the flesh, it says. What that means is, in Jesus Christ, he condemned sin. He sent Jesus to the cross, where he suffered not his own sin, but the punishment for our sin that was there. He sent him like one of us, in the likeness of sinful flesh. He met the righteous requirement of the law, it says. Jesus completely obeyed the law. And the condemnation that our sin deserved was meted out on him. So how do we get right? How does Simon's spirit get right with God? By being connected to Jesus. By accessing his sin offering. So that in him our sin is condemned. And therefore there is now no condemnation for us. And what Paul is saying, look, you guys, if you're connected to Jesus, you are Simone, Simon, Spirit. There is now no condemnation for you. It's amazing, amazing good news. Well, how should we think about this? How should we feel about this? Well, let me just briefly um, just think about three different, appro- three different um, responses that we, we might have. Number one. Uh, we might feel indifferent. Number two, we might feel cheated. Number three, we might still feel condemned. What are we to do in those three different situations? Well, we might feel uh, indifferent. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations where someone comes up to you, explains a problem that you have that you don't really follow, and then tells you that that problem has been fixed. Sometimes reading the scriptures like this feels a bit like that. Um, So we don't really quite get what the fuss is about, but we understand enough that, well, there was a problem, but that problem has gone away now because Jesus has sorted out, so that's okay. But it doesn't really sink into our hearts. Uh, I think I've used this quote before. Uh, Catherine the Great famously said, Dieu me pardonnera, c'est son métier. God is going to forgive me, it's his job. And sometimes we feel like that. Yeah, I'm fine. I've probably got sin problems, but God's going to forgive me, so yeah, that's what he has to do. Uh, And nothing goes into our hearts. We feel indifferent. Uh, On my honeymoon, uh, my uh, godfather um, invited me to go to this amazing hotel in Malaysia. And before Emily and I got there, we were really looking forward to going to this hotel. And... Once we got there um, and we sat down for our first meal, we looked at the menu, we were terrified. We're like, we're, we're going to run out of money, you know, approximately at half past four on the first day. Uh, and I, so I called him up, and it was one of the most embarrassing 
phone calls I've ever had in my life. So, when you sort of invited us to this, how much were you thinking you were going to, you know? And it, he very quickly understood what was going. He said, "I think you'll find it'll all be arranged." Okay, fine, all right. I was now I knew the hole I was being dug out of. Wow, was I grateful. And, and that partly is the solution for us if we feel indifferent. Christ doesn't say there's no condemnation because there's nothing about you really to condemn. He doesn't say there's no condemnation because you're blameless, you haven't gone anything wrong. No, he, he says there's no condemnation because he's taken all the condemnation on himself. Now that kind of indifference, it happens from time to time. The work of Christ seems abstract. If that's the place where you are today, let me encourage you, perhaps for some time of personal examination. Uh, Psalm 90 verse 1 says, God, you have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins, in the light of your presence. It's this idea that when you come into God's presence, you say, Lord, reveal myself, reveal me to myself. I want to know myself. Sometimes you understand, actually, there's a lot that I do that falls short. And recognizing that means we then also understand his amazing mercy. So perhaps we feel indifferent. Well, let's run to the Lord and let him reveal our sin to us so that we would see what amazing salvation we have. Then again, perhaps we feel, we might feel cheated. might feel a little bit cheated. Also, it turns out there's no condemnation. Just all you have to do is be hooked up with Jesus and there's no condemnation. Well, I've wasted a lot of time and a lot of effort, like doing lots of good things. And actually, it turns out I just get, you know, they just get the package for free. Well, again, there's some logic in that. Um, and Jesus actually told a parable that kind of really revealed this to, the, to his followers. Perhaps you know this parable. Do you know the one? He said that there was, a, there was a foreman looking for some hired hands to work. And so he went to the market square first thing in the morning. He said, anyone want to work for me for today? You get a denarius each, which is a really good wage for the day. A bunch of people come with him. He goes and does some work. Comes back a half, halfway through the day. He says, I need some more help. Uh, I need some people to work with me for six hours. Uh, it's a denarius for the six hours, and he gets a few more. And then he comes back one hour before the end of the day. He says, I need some more people to help me. Um, so he's now offering a full day's wages for just one hour. And um, so anyone could, could come and help me? Yeah, well, he hires a few more people. And the first lot go, hey, hang on. We worked the, the whole day, and we got our, our wages. These guys just worked one hour. And Jesus' point here was to say, look, you've all been... You've all got amazing, amazing rewards, far more than you deserve. The grace of God, no condemnation, is free for all of us. It's not a time to look down on a person who hasn't worked quite so hard, but to receive what is so amazing. There's no place for pride. But, and I just want to hang out on this a tiny bit longer. For some of us, and I imagine all of us have been in this place before, the trouble here is that we still feel condemned. Um, perhaps you know in theory there is no condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus, but actually you feel like you're not enough. You feel a sense of not being a good enough father or not being a good enough husband or wife or athlete or writer or professor uh, or attorney, or artist, or friend, or computer programmer, or leader. 
you feel still unwanted, you still feel unloved, not successful enough, unlikely to be liked enough, not approved enough. Perhaps you still feel you're a Christian. You know, you know all of this stuff, but all of life seems to be this trial in which you're trying to get to be good enough, good enough to be somebody, good enough to be respected, to be accepted, to be considered worthy, to be considered righteous, good enough not to be condemned, but you feel like you never get there. What if that's you? Well, um, first encouragement for you, if that is you, you are in the great tradition of religious people. Charles Wesley, who uh, wrote many of the hymns that we sang, um, was in that place. And he, by the time he got to this, he had done a great deal of religious significance. He'd started up a holy club at Oxford, and yes, it was called actually that, in which they all got together and uh, agreed with each other to, re- to lead very disciplined Christian lives, lots of Bible study, prayer, fasting, charitable works. He preached, he taught, he was a vicar, he'd, been, he'd even gone on some missionary journeys. And still, he felt absolutely no peace. No peace with God. Still suffered this sense of condemnation. On one of his missionary trips to the States, he was packed in this boat with a bunch of Moravian Christians. Uh, Christians from from the south of Germany, they had set up a, a colony in Georgia, so they happened to be on the same transport as him. And he looked at these guys, and he just, he was stunned by their sense of peace and assurance before God. And for all his great accolades as as a preacher, teacher, he said, I haven't got what they have. John Wesley, his brother, who was also on that um, journey, put it like this. He said, all of these uh, uh, Moravians testified of their own personal experience that a true living faith in Christ is inseparable from a sense of pardon from the past. Just oozing out of these guys was a sense that my past has no hold on me anymore. And both John and Charles wanted that. And then eventually it happened. Um, the circumstances are not totally clear with Charles. We think he was a bit ill and um, a lady was caring for him, prayed for him. And suddenly he experienced this complete release. No condemnation. Now I dread, he wrote. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head and clothed with righteousness divine, bold I approach the eternal throne. Not timidly wondering whether God is going to approve me. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. So perhaps we're feeling condemned. And actually for us, we need to go through that experience of that assurance of God. God's attitude of condemnation, secondly, needs to be repeatedly assumed. I think sometimes, perhaps you can remember a time when you've really seen it so clearly, but then it's kind of gone out of view. Perhaps you feel like your days flip-flop. There are days when he's really on your side and with you, and then other days where actually he's really against you. John Piper writes this beautifully. God's attitude to you is not mixed It's not as though some days he's against you with wrath and those days are the bad days, while other days he's with you, for you, with love, and those days are the good days. No, this is emphatically not the case and not the way to think about it. It may seem that way, but that is precisely 
why we need the truth of God's revelation in his word. There is now, now and tomorrow will be now and the day after that will be now, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As we wrap up, I want to close with just one uh, last story. Um, these verses are, are such dear verses to many, many people, many of us. I, I, I commend this verse to you, uh, to, to memorize it, learn it. It's not very long. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In the morning, when you're feeling like worthless, look yourself in the mirror say, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. My dear friend, uh, Adrian May, uh, died a couple of years back. Um, he, he worked for British Airways uh, all his life. He was also an ordained minister in the Church of England, and uh, it died, sadly, uh, very young, uh, in his 50s. And um, the guy who was sort of pastoring him at the time went to see him just as he was dying. And he decided to read these verses to him. And uh, he, he wrote about that experience. He said, and I started to read, for there is now no condemnation for those. And I got that far. And then Adrian started nodding. And he joined in the rest saying, who are in Christ Jesus. And it was, as you'd expect, quiet. It was labored. It was a bit breathless. And yet profoundly wonderful. Because Adrian in that moment knew, he knew with his whole being, though his body was falling apart, that there was no condemnation for him as he went to see his Lord. And I pray that would be true for each one of us uh, as we look forward to each day and, of course, as we look into eternity. Let's pray. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Lord, we thank you for this freedom, that we no longer labor under the pressure to perform, to deliver, but rather that you have lived the perfect life for us, that all the requirements of the law have been met, sin has been condemned in the Lord Jesus, and so we stand uncondemned, totally free and in the right with you. Lord, for our indifference, bring this to mind and make it real. For those moments where we feel cheated or we don't want to accept this as a gift, Lord, help us to see just the generosity and grace that it is. And Lord, for those moments when, although we know it, we still feel condemned, please would you shine brightly the light of your love into our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon Podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, 
visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.